Folks, it's Mark Linsenmeyer from Pretty Much Pop. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We have a St. Patrick's Day treat for you, and it's coming out next week. There's an interview with Larry Kerwin, frontman for the band Black 47, born in Ireland, writes novels about Irishy things. His new one, Rockaway Blue, has just come out. And we talked to him about being Irish, about St. Patrick's Day sort of traditions, about playing Irish music and the popularity of all things Irish in the U.S., but today, right here, what you're going to hear is the after talk from episode 85 that was about WandaVision. We were talking to Rolando Nieves. And for part of what you're about to hear, we continue with him, picking up right where that discussion left off, but quickly get to his own podcast, Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals, and his pop culture recommendations. And then you're going to hear some of what we recorded actually before he showed up to the interview, where we host give our various recommendations and think about future topics. This is something we do after every single episode, and you can get them all if you support us at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. So if you enjoy the show, just put down a pledge for a dollar or two for the month, and you can really get in there and deliberate with us on what kind of stuff we should be talking about, what we're spending our time on. You're going to get a flurry of recommendations and disrecommendations of things. And Patreon will give you a feed address unique to you, doesn't require a password, to install it on your various devices. And that feed will contain every episode, ad-free, and all these after-talks. Your support really, really helps, makes us want to keep doing this show. So see what you think of what you're about to hear, and whether you want to join our secret special club going forward. Thanks. We're now entering the supporter portion of the show. Just to connect one of the dots, Jessica Jones as comic book created by Brian Michael Bendis. You know, this is one of the things he did before he was then put in charge of like writing Civil War and stuff like that. And actually the comic, it made it explicit like that she used to be a costumed superhero. She had a costume and she had a superhero name and like was part of the Avengers or related to them somehow. <laughs> and then became just a regular, you know, an ex after this uh, traumatic experience with the the purple man controlling her. So that that was a, you know, sort of cutting edge storytelling for Marvel right there. Maybe old hat for DC, who had been doing Vertigo stuff for a decade or whatever before that. But for Marvel, this was a big deal. And now we're seeing the fruits of it in TV. Well, I hadn't really thought of, yeah, all of the parallels between the two. But you're right. Jessica Jones' first season deals completely with being under somebody else's control and not having having control of your own actions. That I didn't even think about. But yeah, there you go. But clearly that there's so many of these superhero things and even the powers themselves are getting reused, like just inevitably. <laughs> How many very fast characters? We At least we're going to have one DC and one Marvel version of every <laughs> type of power. So their personalities as, you know, behind the mask, as you were saying, Erica, like that has to be the distinguishing thing. That has to be the thing that sells, you know, why Shazam was actually like a good fun movie because of like that it had that sort of big <laughs> aspect to it. So Shazam's big appeal would be what? That Sorry, sorry. I mean, like the movie Big, that it was a boy who was turning turning into an... Perfect. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> big with quotes. You didn't hear the quotes? <laughs> <laughs> Part of what we do in the after talk is discuss what else we've been consuming besides the assigned the assigned reading or, or watching. So, Rolando, do you have any suggestions? What have you been consuming? All right, so me and my group of friends, uh, during the pandemic, every Wednesday we pick a movie to watch virtually together, and then we just talk about it a little. And uh, for March, we decided to do something called March B-Movie Madness. So we're doing B-movies. And uh, the last movie that we just saw on Wednesday 
which I never had seen before, was The Brain That Wouldn't Die. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. It's I have not. 1956. No. Black and white film. This doctor, he believes that he can experiment on people and like bring back corpses to life because, you know, that's where science is going to take us and grafting human body parts to other parts, right? It was very Frankenstein-esque. And uh, he gets in a horrific car accident and his fiance is decapitated. So he salvages her head. And using science, she ends up developing a little bit of a telekinetic link with like a monstrous that he had created in the past. But meanwhile, he's trying to find her a body. So he is, uh, he's like going around to like all these like a burlesque bar, a college campus, (laughs) trying to find like a woman (laughs) to fit the ideal so that way he could transfer her, his fiance's head on her body. It was a weird movie. I'm going on and on about it, but like I thought it was an enjoyable watch is a little bit of an overstatement, but I think exploring B movies is always a fun thing to do. And uh, I think it's like something that it's a very cultish thing that people do. Like, uh, like people who do love B movies are a certain type of person. But if you're like a filmmaker, sometimes you kind of like look down on those B movies, but I'm always of the mindset. It's just like, no, you got to watch them. So that way, you know, like you can, you can improve upon story. And that's why I like watching B movies. You can take a good story and like kind of still make it better. The movie is so weird and conflicted. It has three different titles. It does. It's the yes. brain that wouldn't die, the head that wouldn't die, and the brain that couldn't die. And every time you watch it with a different title, you get a different, you know, it's a whole new experience. <laughs> I've only seen it, the Mystery Science Theater version. That, that oh, that's right. So you yes. have seen it. Okay. There is a, yes, there was an episode based off of it. So I'm, you do the reboots and revivals podcast. Is there another podcast that you also do? I just noticed on your page, it seemed like there was a. Yes. Uh, well, I'm actually the showrunner for another podcast. It's called Game Changers in Medicine. And that's more of a medical history podcast. We kind of explore some of science's greatest discoveries, the ones that kind of came about by accident. So, for example, insulin was a completely accidental medical discovery. Vitamin K, which is used a lot for children right after they're born, so that way they don't uh, develop blood clotting. And, uh, yeah, it's just it just mixes storytelling with, like, some science, medical science and stuff. It's a, and history. But yeah, I am the showrunner for that show. And then the other show, and yeah, Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals will be my podcast. That's where me and my co-hosts, we love to pick apart original content with like their remake or their reboot or revival. Sometimes you have all three. And uh, yeah, you know. And I see it says on, on your site, so you and Nicole Pometti went to grad school together. So it seems like you guys sound very organized <laughs> and, oh. and uh, <laughs> like you're doing something that, were you guys in both in media studies or what? We were both. Yes, we both went to. Yeah, we both went to grad school for our MFA. I was trying to get out of documentary filmmaking, but it's just ended up becoming something more and more that I just like ended up gravitating towards because I love hearing. I love exploring real people's stories. And Nicole went more so into installation art, but she and I were both big podcast consumers. So as a result, like we just started talking. It's like, well, we should try to do a podcast. And she wanted her podcast. Her idea was actually to do a, a podcast where she would make me watch an old movie and then we would talk about it. But that sounded awful to me because I'm more of a pop culture consumer. I'm not really a film viewer for the art of it. I respect the art, but I'm not like a big, you know, I'm not pretentious about it. Well, I see you guys just made yourselves watch Tom and Jerry. So that we did. <laughs> so, now that was torture. <laughs> That was not oh, fun. But it's only available for a month. You, uh, What choice do you have? That's Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz. How'd she get herself in that? 
you know what? I question how all the characters got, all the actors got themselves into that. Like Michael Pena deserves better. Oh, he's like, so good. He is so good. And he was just absolutely wasted in this. They made him do a borderline racist accent that he's always doing. And, uh, it was just bad. I will commend though the animation. I thought the animation was good. I love mixing animation with like live action. And I feel like Roger Rabbit is a, my favorite. But other than that, like this movie was just not redeemable. This was a terrible, terrible watch. Yeah. Did so you, you did you see Sonic the Hedgehog? No, we didn't get to do Sonic the Hedgehog because that was during the pandemic, I think. And yeah. we just I kind of had taken a hiatus. I haven't seen it yet. Although that one I would have loved to cover if only because that one is interesting, right? The original trailer drops and the fans were just like, ew, no. what is this? <laughs> and I was of that. I, I'm not like the biggest Sonic fan, but I used to watch the TV show growing up and I used to play the games. And I was thinking, she's like, yeah, this is awful character design what was what were the creators thinking but i appreciate the fact that like the studio was just like well people hate it so let's redo it let's invest some money and i guess the investment paid off because like it actually made money in the box office if i remember correctly it wasn't a flop yeah i heard it wasn't nearly as bad as what everybody thought it was going to be so i hear also yeah and you know i wonder how much of that was jim carrey's performance and ben schwartz is fantastic Oh, was he the voice of Sonic? Ben Schwartz, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. He is fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, look at that. See? Yeah, I didn't, didn't know that. <laughs> Start and end with Parks and Rec. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you got to. Well, I had found your podcast, of course, when we did our own revivals episode and felt like, wow, this is a really restrictive topic to do a whole podcast on. But really, there's a tremendous amount of overlap between what you do, you do. I see you have Mulan, Karate, uh, Cobra Kai, and Bill and Ted mm-hmm. in a row, which are all yep. things that we've covered because yep. we like to talk about things, not just like, here's a new movie that came out, but like, what is the larger context, which often means a franchise. So it is a revival or a, a, a sequel or something like that. So it ends up being not that restrictive. It seems like you guys can cover most of what you would want to cover. Is that, or is there a large, uh, like, oh, I'd love to cover this new movie that came out, but that's not in our, our official, uh, <laughs> I think actually we've had quite the opposite. So we try to release an episode a week and sometimes it's gotten to the point as of late because of TV that there's just so much out there and I can only consume so many episodes in like a week before I had to like check out Walker, for example, might bite the dust for us because Walker is a new show on the CW. It is a remake of Walker, Texas Ranger with uh, Chuck Norris. Oh no. And uh, yeah, and I used to watch that show. In college, like I used to just get high. Can I say that, guys? Sure. Yeah, you can say whatever okay, you yeah. want. <laughs> uh, get high and drunk in college with my friends, and we would just like watch Chuck Norris fight some baddies. And I want to see, like, this is supposed to be a more serious take. And it's just like, why, why do we need to be serious about Walker, Texas Ranger? Why can't we just let it be campy? You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, so actually quite the opposite. Yeah, there's, there's so much coming out. Sometimes it's hard to keep up. I know the next one we have coming up is, uh, we have to do, Godzilla vs. King Kong, because that itself itself is not a remake, but there was an original Godzilla vs. King Kong film. And then we get to explore the Godzilla King Kong. Mortal Kombat's coming we out, We have too. not done a giant monster movie one, either. We, we need to <laughs> Oh, you guys should do a kaiju episode. <laughs> Those are always fun. What's the other one? Mortal Kombat. Space Jam is also coming out this year. There's so much. I mean, there's uh, it's like an endless list, and sometimes it's just like, I can't. It's hard to keep up sometimes. What is the new Space Jam version? Space Jam Space with Jam. LeBron James. A new legacy. All right. Mm-hmm. This is my, this is the There's first time I've heard uh, about this. Always new monsters to. <laughs> I, I'm curious as to how that's, yeah, how is that going to work out? Because the monsters lost and they should have like given up. I guess they're coming back for seconds. 
I don't know. And it's a sequel. It's not even like, I don't think it's like a straight up remake. I think it's a sequel to the original. So we'll see. Hopefully Michael Jordan makes a cameo, but I used to love that movie growing up. That was one Oh of my, my God, me too. I, I still thought I was going to be a professional basketball player during that time. <laughs> I was young enough to be like one day. Yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm. With, with Don Cheadle and Sinequa Martin-Green. Oh, <laughs> goodness. Some, some big freaking star power for Space Jam too, and you could just put your basketball star and that's it. That would be fine. You don't need... <laughs> might actually have more star power than any name we've said so far. The original... What the original just throwing that course, out there. Of course. Bill Murray and uh, Newman from uh, from uh, Seinfeld before the original. Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and of course, like, I mean, we're going to cover, for example, this week, uh, Coming to America Part 2. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We right? need to do you that, go. you guys. The revival. Mm-hmm. I've not heard, it's only been out for a day, but I've already heard not good things about it. So, <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to watching that because I love the original. And the problem with like those revivals, right? It's, like, it's just like, does it age well is number one. And it's just like, and if the original one doesn't age well, can you fix that to address a new time period, right? And sometimes you can't. Well, Borat is, speaking of revivals, really is cleaning up cleaning in the award shows. Up. So. That's I don't understand that, and it it, it is because like Bora itself, the number two was n- I thought it was not that good. I mean, it was fine, but it was a bad year for film because there was just not much coming out because of the pandemic. But it was just I don't think it's I don't think it's deserving of some of the awards it's gotten. What it did did it win uh, Golden Globe for best musical comedy? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they did take some great risks, and I'm thinking that's a big part of why. I also think that people are just kind of obsessed with Sasha Baron Cohen. They want to honor him. And it was so funny. The the first speech he made. <laughs> did you see it, Brian? He just completely said, thank you to the all white Hollywood foreign <laughs> press for this award. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he yeah, he's a newsmaker no matter what he does. I think with uh, my beef with the movie was just like I had seen it once already and just watching it again, even given the political circumstances we were under. It didn't say anything new. It's just like I know all this stuff. It felt a little dated, considering it was like really supposed to be biting right. of our political environment at the moment. Well, I hope Eddie Murphy continues to sequelize his own film so we get Norbit 2. I, I the would fir- love a Norbit The Further too. Adventures of Pluto Nash. <laughs> the Further Adventures. <laughs> oh. uh, all of his greats. <laughs> I would very much take a sequel to Bowfinger. I, I was going to say the same say thing, yes. Bowfinger. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen Bowfinger. Oh, watch. Oh my Do gosh. yourself a favor and watch it. I didn't realize how much I liked Bowfinger until I saw it the second or third time, right? The first time I was like, oh, that was, was kind of funny. But it, it sticks with you. There's a lot of, there are a lot of gems in that. Written by that Steve a- Martin, starring Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, directed by Frank Oz. Oh, that it, was, oh, wow. That was definitely a rare later career high point for Eddie Murphy, which I guess Dolomite, which I still haven't seen, is another one. Ooh, Dolomite. That was good. Now that it was. I was so surprised at how good. I thought the pacing was a little off. I think it went a little too fast, but that that movie I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Wait, when did Bowfinger come out? Sorry. Oh God, like ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. ninety nine. That's still okay, okay. compared to his, you know, his like heyday. Well, right. That that coming to America is eighty eight. Mm-hmm. Beverly and he Hills plays Cop, his own twin. Eighty four. Just to give you a preview, he plays his own okay, twin. Okay, okay. Was he nominated for an Oscar for Dreamgirls? Yes, I think he won. 
Maybe he didn't win, but I could have. He was definitely nominated. He was definitely nominated. Uh, Hudson, what's her name? Kate Jennifer? Hudson won for Best Supporting Kate. Actress. N- Jennifer uh, Hudson. Not Kate Hudson. Yep. No, Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> yeah. I, said, yeah, I said Kate Hudson. Um, yeah. Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just funny. <laughs> so he he had some things after Bowfinger, I would say, Mark. But yeah, you're right. After his kind of his early, his Beverly Hills Cup peak, I think, probably, this, that came after that. I guess you could define Eddie Murphy as having like epochs. Right. I guess that's probably right. We need to think about him in, in a couple different phases of his career. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we should feel so badly for people who like go away for a while. You know, like it's perfectly fine for him to sit on his laurels for a while and not make a film. Hmm. I agree. All right. Well, thanks, Rolando. We got to we got to get on with it. Of course. No, thank you guys again for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was really nice to meet you and chat with you. Great to meet you, Rolando. Let's do it again next year or so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye, guys. What y'all uh, consuming this week, Erica? So I joined SAG this year and I'm starting to get all my screeners in. So I'm going to have a lot more movies to talk about. But uh, a few of the things that I've been consuming are TV shows that have been nominated for SAG Awards. So I actually binged all of Bridgerton and uh, now I'm watching Dead to Me, which is a show that I only watched the first episode of before. Um, I just had other things, I guess, in my queue, so I didn't stick with it. And I've really been enjoying Dead to Me. Other than that, just little things. For those of you who do like documentaries, there's a little documentary film about D.B. Cooper on HBO. And that was uh, Oh, I that watched that. What'd you think? That was surprisingly clever by the end of a bit of how they put it together. Does everyone know who D.B. Cooper is? Is that part of our culture enough or should you mention it? I didn't know who D.B. Cooper was. Well, go ahead. That's I'm sure you remember like something when you were a child. I was a little a little too a little, young for this child. even. Right. But the pursuit of D.B. Cooper came out when we were kids. That was like a when that did was it a happen? Movie. Was it 71 or was it 73 or what? I can't remember. God, the, this is terrible. I feel terri- like it was right around the news. time Mark and I were were born. Yeah. But it was when you were um, born. 71. So it would have been 1971. Okay. Guys, so I don't was, claim to know how old anybody is. I don't give. I don't care anymore. So it was in the era of when skyjackings were happening pretty frequently, and they often didn't end in tragedy, fortunately. But someone stole a bunch of money, skyjacked a plane, and then parachuted out and was never found. And that was D.B. Cooper. And he was a bit of a media sensation. And this documentary just talks about all these people who are quite certain that somebody they know, someone in their family, was D.B. Cooper. And I think being D.B. Cooper is on par with the joke of people who were in the insane asylum thinking they were Napoleon. Like that was just a, a trope of people thinking they were Napoleon. People thinking their relatives were D.B. Cooper just seemed to be a thing. And it was pretty entertaining. Mark and I used to play a, when we were younger, we played a board game that was a geography-based board game. And one of the things was about D.B. Cooper. And that was like a red herring question. And that was up in the Pacific Northwest. I do not remember this game at all. (laughs) Ubi, Mark, you played it. Oh, all right, all right. Did you plant your flag on any of the suspects? Well, when it was over, I asked... My wife, I said, if you had to, if you could know the answer and had to place real money on any of the four people or the field, who would you take? And I think we both agreed that the smart money was the field. It was just more likely not any of the people they suggested to us. Let me ask you that same question, Erica. Real money, that, something that mattered to you, $1,000, 10000 Well, you know, you're a millionaire, so say it was $10 million. I'm a millionaire? News <laughs> to me. So even odds, it's one of the four people. Or it was anybody else in the world. What's your bet? I think it 
very possibly was the guy who said it was him on his deathbed. It's such a weird thing to say on your deathbed if it's not true. So in those final moments, as as you are shaking off the mortal coil and realize you've done nothing, you say, well, maybe I can be D.B. Cooper at the very end. I think I'm going to say the same thing, Erica. So it's a good chance it's me. What does that get you? It just leaves somebody else with like a load of burden. It's a gift. My relative, who I thought was a total nobody, actually stole these. How much? What was it? Even a million dollars? I forget. No, it was $200,000, yeah. which at the time, you know, and that's not a small amount of money, but still. So everyone should watch this and then decide for themselves who D.B. Cooper wasn't. Yeah, let us know your thoughts. What about you, Mark? What have you been consuming outside of homework? Uh, a few things. I I watched the miniseries The Head that had come up on HBO. It takes place in Antarctica. It's Part of it's in Norwegian. A lot of it's in English. I think it's made by like HBO Spain. It's, you know, it was a very international thing. And it is a thriller mystery. They even are like watching the thing at the beginning. So it tells you that like this is going to be a similar dynamic to there's murders happening and you got to figure out what's going on. Like they show you right at the beginning. These are who's dead. It's a uh, trying to figure out people coming to the station after the fact, trying to figure out what was going on. I recommend it. Some of it was kind of predictable. Some of it didn't really make that much sense when you think about it too much, but it was enjoyable enough. And I really like that dark. This is six months in the dark, is that the whole idea on parts of Antarctica? So that was a, a thing. I also discovered this British series, Plebes, from 2013, lasted maybe four seasons. It's just a, a comedy series in the Roman Empire of three just out of college kids living in New York City, except it's in ancient Rome. And so they get to, it's a lot of sexual humor. A definite recommend. It was very light, and I enjoy the uh, the little musical breaks that happen between every scene, pretty much. This is one where, if you haven't heard of it and you look it up, odds are good you'll recognize somebody if you watch enough British programming. True or false? Oh, definitely. One of the guys is in from Games of Thrones. I mean, it's just by the odds. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I saw one of the guys is uh, from The Fall, which... I really enjoy ah, it. Well, that's a great recommendation. I was not on my radar, so I will definitely mm -hmm. give that a try. And we should probably talk about Raya and the Last Dragon at some point. Yeah. We just saw that last night. My daughter was very excited that came out. And it is, it is a pretty strong recommend. It was quite a bit better than Mulan, I think, as far as those kind of things go. But it's a Disney Plus pay an extra $30 to have it for the months before it comes out for everybody else. So. We can decide whether it's that important to us. Brian. I am in a couple book clubs, and I'm not that good at getting my books read because I have other things going on. And every now and then they'll pick a graphic novel. So thank God. And I read one called Sentient, written by Jeff Lemire and illustrated by Gabriel Walta. Actually, it came out as eight issues that got put together. I'm not sure if you'd really call it a graphic novel. And it's straight science fiction, and this is a, a guy who's done quite a bit of writing for both the Marvel and DC universes, but this is a ship heading from Earth to the colonies, and let's just spoil the first issue of the eight issues where all the adults get killed, and it is up to the AI ship to, to raise the children and get them from Earth to the colonies. And it's pretty dark, and it's they really get the, the psyches of the kids pretty well. They, they, they're forced to act like adults and, and run the ship pretty early in their lives, but they still have very much childlike morality and emotional intelligence and actual intelligence. And it was pretty well done. That's a, a recommend if someone's looking for a comic experience that doesn't 
involve having to learn 40 years of backstory. Speaking of our Wanda discussion. And you said it's called Baby Trek? It's called Sentient. Oh, it's not Baby Trek with Lil Spock and Lil Kirk. Baby Trek. And they're they're all being raised by the AI together. Trek babies, like Muppet babies. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, I got you now. Oh, anything else, Erica? Yeah, I always, like, this is what I do when we do this portion. I go back to my IMDb for the week and see, what did I look up this week? Because that's probably what I was watching. Rewatch Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Watched a couple episodes of the new show, Keenan. Yeah, how was that? Entertaining. There are times that both Drew and I have laughed out loud. I'm not usually a fan of like just a general sitcom like that. We have been watching Mr. Mayor, but that's more zany and very much feels like 30 Rock. This one's a little, little bit more in the in the vein of just a sitcom, you know. But there have been some funny moments, and it, it's nice to see it. he's actually taking on a, a bit more of a serious role where you have the other people in the show who are kind of being the jokesters. Don Johnson is in it, and I have laughed out loud a couple times at him. And we also watched I Care A Lot. And the trial of the Chicago Seven this week. So, like I said, we're uh, we're going through award shows at the moment. Really enjoyed some some of the performances in the Chicago Seven. So, I would recommend watching that. When is this award show? That should we have a like we did for the Oscars? Some kind of uh, since you're having to do this anyway, that Brian and I should be forced to watch. It's a, couple a lot things. of stuff. Uh, so the it's SAG up to you. I was gonna, about? yeah. It's a lot of stuff. And honestly, a lot of it's probably going to be what you end up watching, uh-huh. you know, if if you want to do an Oscar preview anyway. But, um, April but there 4th. are also TV shows. So it's a little more like the Emmys or something. I don't know if I would watch The Trial of the Chicago 7 just for fun. Didn't it win screenplay for uh, Golden Globe? Yeah, it's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. I didn't realize that when I was watching it. And I was like, oh, of course it was. When it came out, there was a supercut of when he plagiarized himself from other things. That every time a new Aaron Sorkin comes out, it's like, Here's a scene from his new thing. And here's the same exact line of dialogue being said by Donna in West Wing season three. So, of course, hey, when, I don't mind repeated at me. So they're the why the French only have one egg for breakfast, because one egg is an if. An if. And that was a West Wing joke and apparently a trial of Chicago seven joke. Yes, it was. So there you go. Yes, it was. This is the kind of gold that only our subscribers can listen to. I would suggest an Aaron Sorkin episode, but I still never actually watched West Wing. So I would be going, (gasps) I would be going purely on my, uh, studio 60 or whatever on the sunset strip, which (laughs) is like the one I have not seen. So you've seen sports night, Mark. I'm impressed. No, no, actually not that because it has sports in the title. No, (laughs) (laughs) you've seen a few good men. Yes. And, uh, the, the Facebook movie. The social network? Yes, yes. Malice? Do nope. you have his IMDb page up? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Oh, no, wait, that's, that's David Mamet. I'm, I'm, I'm drifting into David Mamet. Sorry. <laughs> Which just happens. Never mind. I don't, because I'm getting making a lot of mistakes. But the one I haven't seen, he did one with um, a woman who was a poker player, played by Gar, the woman from Zero Dark Thirty. Terry Help Gar? <laughs> yeah, I was like, Terry Gar? No, what's a... Uh, Jessica Chastain Jessica. plays Miss Molly something. Yes, I've seen that. I can't remember the name of Molly's okay. Game. Molly's Game. Boy, Why did turning... you say Gar? I'm confused. Uh, Gar. That was my that was my pirate Gar. Or, oh, that was a Gar of frustration. I don't Speaking know why I'm feeling. Speaking of Terry Gar, yeah. we could go and do some old throwbacks, like some Terry Gar films or some Mel Brooks films. You know what I mean? Hey, while we're talking about someone films, 
Can I quickly get assigned watching for our Kristen Wiig episode? Like the ones I must watch? Because I realized I haven't seen Bridesmaids and I haven't seen the new Ghostbusters. Well, see, this is what we need to decide. Is this a Kristen Wiig thing? At the or moment it we... is. Or is. No, it... no, you've missed the text chain that Erica agreed with my premise that it should be a two crazy peas in a pod. <laughs> if you don't change the name of the... the almost twins. Of, our, of the Facebook invitation, then it is what I, it says that is. Mark. Mm. I'll change. That's fine. All I've, I've watched the skeleton twins. So, I mean, I'm ready to... That was the first thing I watched in preparation. So, in terms of twin weirdos... I'm fine. I haven't done that much homework. If Twin Weirdos is our is what we're doing, that's great. Right. I, I would think that we can mostly, like, let's get a list going, but mostly we can go on our experience. Like, I'm not expecting you to watch Cheech and Chong movies if you've not seen Cheech and Chong movies. Oh, I don't need a required <laughs> watching list for a Twin Weirdos. I just needed one for Kristen, Kristen Week. But if we've switched it up, that's fine. Just change the damn title of our podcast. I did not see the one Sisters. Is that what you said, Erica? It seems like that should be yeah. a... That's, that's, oh, I think... Yeah, I mentioned very that much too. adjacent to this one. So you've watched Margin Star, Barb and Star now, Brian, right? I haven't yet, but that was, I knew that oh, I, okay. I knew I needed to. So I'm watching it this weekend. Yes. So you'll see why I'm suggesting this. That is, it has a lot more common with Strange Brew. Strange Brew is like the foundational one of these for me because I watched it a million times when we were young. Only the first half million with me. And then the second half million, I think in college. No, but, no, no. Before that, maybe. Even. Oh, then three quarters of a million with me. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Thanks, supporters. Bye-bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.